Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, if you're a Christian and you, you're out in the workplace, you should be the best employer your job has. Amen. You have an excellent spirit in you. The Holy Spirit's in you. You should be one of the best workers your employer has. Your employer should be able to come to you and trust you with the key to the safe, the combination to the safe, with the money in the bank. Your employer should be able to trust you. Now, I'm not saying your employer likes you. I'm not saying your employer necessarily thinks you're the best guy, but you should be one of the best employees. There should never be a Christian who's lazy at the job site. You're, you're shaming the Word of God. You're shaming Jesus Christ. You're, using, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. You're saying you're a Christian, you're putting the Lord's name on you, and then you're not representing the Lord properly. If you're at your job, you need to be above everybody else. And I don't mean in a self-righteous way. I mean you need to be one of the best workers. You might not be the most talented worker, but you should be striving to be a good worker. You're at work, and uh, you're only working when the, when the boss is watching you, and as soon as the boss walks out, you, you stop working. That's not the Christian life. We work and we live our life because the eyes of the Lord are on every place beholding the good and the evil. The Lord's always watching us. It don't matter if we're by ourselves. If the boss drops you off at a site and you're by yourself working, you should be working just as hard as if he was sitting there watching you, every, everything you're doing. Now, I know that that's not go, don't go over very well, but that's what God expects out of you because you got, you got his name on you. And that's what Daniel's showing. Now, look at verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now I'm going to contrast this morning the king and Daniel. Daniel and the king. I want to contrast this morning as we go through the story of Daniel and the lion's den. I want to show you the differences between Daniel and this king, King Darius. And it's some real obvious differences. And the first thing you need to notice about Daniel and the character of Daniel, it says in the middle of verse 4, it says, They could find no occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. The character of Daniel was he was faithful. Guys, he was a faithful citizen to his country. We need to be faithful citizens to our country. We don't agree with everything that's going up in Washington, amen. We don't agree with who they're voting in. We don't agree. I don't agree with half the laws they pass, but I should be faithful as a good citizen to this country. Amen. We should be good citizens. Daniel was a good citizen to this country, and he was faithful in that aspect. We need to be faithful too. We need to be faithful. Look at verse 5. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Not only was he faithful, a faithful and a good citizen, he was a hard worker at work. He was a good and faithful citizen. He was also faithful and known to be godly. See how these guys, they want to get Daniel, and they say, Well, we can't get him on the laws because he's a law-abiding citizen. We can't get because he obeys all the laws. That's the way a Christian should be. And I know I'm one of the worst when it comes to speed limit. But those laws, and I as a Christian should be a good citizen obeying those laws, if I like them or not. 
I should be obeying the laws. And not, Daniel not only was a hard worker, not only he had the character of being a hard worker and being a faithful citizen and being a good citizen to his, to his country, he also was faithful to God and was, was known to be very godly. It would be concerning the law of his God. He was known to be a very godly man. Are you known to be very godly? Are you faithful to be known to be godly? I hope we are. I hope people know us as like, well, there's a, there's a godly woman or there's a godly man. I'm not saying we're perfect, amen? I'm not saying we don't make mistakes, but we should be known as somebody who goes to church, somebody who loves the Lord, amen? And we're not afraid to talk about the Lord. Daniel was faithful to all this. Now let's contrast that to the king. Look at verse 6. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. Yeah, they're buttering him up is what they're doing. Look at verse 7. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute. Number one, they're liars. <laughs> they said all. See how it says all the presidents? Not Daniel. Daniel's not involved in this. So the first thing you know is they're lying. They're lying to the king about all this. And they said, we've consulted together a royal statute in the middle of verse 7 and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. And they're buttering up and they're, using, they're going against the king's pride and saying, you know what, we're going to make a decree. And we've all agreed that if anybody prays or talks to any other god but to you, king, they should be thrown in the lion's den. And we'll do this for 30 days. And what does the king do? The king is too prideful. Whereas Daniel is faithful, the king is prideful. And y'all know what the Bible says about pride. Pride cometh before destruction. Guys, you got to watch that in yourself. That pride will rise up. And I've noticed, and I've talked to my wife recently about something going on at my, at my work. And I told her the only problem with this situation is my pride. Brother Keegan's pride. I need to swallow my pride because the only reason I'm mad about that is because it hurt my pride. And I had to watch that in my own self. So if I'm having to watch that, I know some of y'all probably need to watch that too. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. But look at verse 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Before King Darius could find out what's going on, before he looked into the matter, he signed the papers. He's going to regret that. But what happened here is his pride got in the way. Oh, you're going to honor me? You're going to, you're going to make it to where it's all about me? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's do, I'm going to sign that. Give me the papers. I'm going to sign that right now. And they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get to Daniel because they know what Daniel's going to do. Look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day. That's evening, morning, and noon. He kneeled down three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And you see what's going on here is, is Daniel, it's, there's a law against Daniel doing that. And get, Daniel's a good citizen, but before Daniel's a good citizen, he's a good follower of God's laws. He'll be a good citizen as long as it follows God's laws. If it comes between country and God, we need to pick God. No matter what our country does, I go along with the country as long as I can until it goes against God, and then I've got to be on God's side. Because who's higher? Who's the higher authority, the country or God? God is the higher authority. So when God's authority is trying to be overruled by the country's authority, that country needs to be thrown down. You need to go with God. Look at Acts, keep your finger here, but look at Acts chapter 5. This happens in the New Testament. And Peter has something to say about this, and I love this. Acts chapter 5. Peter had this happen to him. They were telling him not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. They were telling uh, Peter and all the disciples, you can't preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And they whipped him, and they let him go. Well, what does Peter do? Peter goes straight outside, and he starts preaching in the name of Jesus Christ again. 
He doesn't listen to a word they said to him. So what happens to Peter? Well, they find out he's still preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. They go arrest Peter and, his, and the disciples again. And this is what happens in verse 28. Saying, did we not, they, get him, they bring him before in verse 27. When they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? That's the name of Jesus Christ. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. See, he's preaching Jesus Christ, and they don't like it. But look what, what Peter says in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. We ought to obey God rather than men. Yeah, you can tell us that all day long, but we're going to obey God rather than you. When the country makes a law and tells us uh, to stop reading our Bibles, I'm not going to stop reading my Bible. Amen. Amen. I'm, not, I'm just not going to. I pray that I don't. I don't know. But let me ask you a question. This is a serious question this morning. If the U.S. government tonight was to make a law to say, that forbid people reading their Bibles, how many people do you think, honestly, that would affect? Honestly. Now, some of y'all in here, it would affect you. Y'all would be breaking the law the next morning when you got up and read your Bible faithfully. But how many Christians, and then we have what, literally, supposedly millions of Christians in this country, but how many of them are reading their Bible or praying? The country was come out and say, you can't, you're not allowed to pray. You know, they're having that trouble right now in the school districts. They're trying to tell the school that you can't pray in the name of Jesus. You can't pray before football games. And I've been way out there in Texas. They got on there and they said, we're praying in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're asking him to build a hedge of protection around these, these players. And we're praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just like that. I mean, just like, like they're defiant. And I remember being up in the stands, and I looked over to the left of me, and everybody, and they were looking at me, and I was looking at them, and, and, they're, and they're all like, amen, yeah. You know, this big old smile comes on your face, because you're proud of somebody who makes a stand against the tyranny of telling us not to pray. You can't tell us not to pray. That's ludicrous. Do you realize I can be preaching and praying at the same time? Tell me not to pray. I pray all the time. I'm driving down the road, and in a split second, somebody almost runs me over. It's, oh, please, Lord, you know. That's a prayer. And I, sometimes I say it out loud, sometimes it's inside. But you can't tell somebody not to pray. But if they were to tell us not to read a Bible, if they were to tell us not to pray, how many of us would it affect? You know what? You don't, you don't let the U.S. government tell you what's right and wrong. The U.S. government doesn't, doesn't tell me how to live my Christian life. Just because you're legally able to watch pornography doesn't mean it's right to watch pornography. Daniel obeyed God rather than men, and the king, the king, he obeyed men. The king, he obeyed men rather than God. That's the character of these two men. Now let's look at the results. Look at verse 11, and we're going to have Daniel chapter 6. Now we've seen the character of Daniel, and we've seen the character of the king. Let's see what happens and what the results of living the lives that they lived. Because obviously Daniel, Daniel's a very godly man, and the king is very prideful. So let's see what happens in these guys' lives. Verse 11, then these men assembled, these men that were watching Daniel pray, because Daniel left his window open. Don't you like that? The Bible says that Daniel left his window open. He didn't go try to hide off in the closet and say, well, I'm going to do this when nobody's looking, and bow down to Jerusalem and pray. He said, ah, just leave the window open. He left that window wide open. He wants everybody to see what he's doing, rubbing it in their face, you know. See, these men of God, they're, they're, they're men, you know, that's why they're, they're real men. They're not, they're not like Joe Osteen always had this fake smile on their face. And they're, they're real men. That's what kept me from coming to Jesus Christ as a young man is I always looked at Jesus Christ as almost just too feminine. You know, walking around in the daisies and the butterflies kissing the morning dew and all this feminine stuff, and it's just too feminine. And I was a young man, and, and it kind of kept me from coming to Jesus Christ. But when I came to Jesus Christ and found the real Jesus Christ, 
the man's man, the one that's making the little whip and whipping them out of the temple, the one that didn't mind offending them, the one that stood his ground and st spoke with authority. And then I started seeing in the Bible all these men, these great men of God like Daniel, that he didn't go off and hide. He opened his window and he said, you know, I don't care if you're watching me or not. I'm going to pray. Amen. I like men like that. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of Medes and Persians, which altereth not. You can't change the law. Once that law, it don't matter if the king makes it, the king cannot change the law. That was the law of the Medes and the Persians. Look at verse 13. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. So they rat old Daniel out. And I like it when they call him that Daniel. That Daniel. I used to uh, grew up with a friend named Chris Hawley, and he had, a, he had a great granddad named Ed. And Ed never talked to us, and he lived with Chris and his, his grandparents. And Ed would go out every day, and he'd go sit outside, and he'd sit with his little dog, and he'd sit on a, on a chair, and he never spoke one word to me or Chris. But me and Chris tortured that old man. And I'm lucky he didn't kill us or shoot us because we would we'd wait till he was outside and we'd take uh, we'd take little rocks and we'd throw at him and we we were I guess we were about ten or eleven years old we'd do whatever we could to torture the old man just throw little rocks mess with the dog and he would just ignore us like we would like we were a ghost it was the strangest thing now that I look back on it but one day. Chris's mom, my grandmother, said, why don't you stay and eat with us? So me and Chris were at the table, and I was sitting around the table, and here comes old Ed, and they're bringing Ed in to eat. And Ed comes in, and he looks over at the table. Now, he's never said a word to me all these years. He's look, he comes in, he's walking up the stairs, he looks at the table, at the kitchen table, and he sees me there, and he points with his old bony finger, and he goes, I'm not going to eat with that th 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 thing. <laughs> he's not going to eat with that th 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 thing. And boy, I was a thing. That thing, I'm not going to eat with that thing. And he, he, they, and Chris's mom, she was something else. She's like, you shut your mouth to get in here. I just start screaming at him and everything. That embarrassed me so much that he, he thought I was a thing. But I was a thing. I was a thing. And that's what they're looking at Dan. That Daniel. That, see how it's kind of this, that Daniel, that Daniel. That troublemaker, that, that Daniel. Verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. It's happened with the character of the king has made himself sore displeased with himself. You see that? Sore displeased with himself. Guys, there's things you can do in your life that you can't undo. There's things you can do in your life that you can't go back and fix. And you need to, to the best of your ability, watch what you do and not do some things because there's some things you can do that when you do them, you're not going to be able to undo them, amen. And there's not enough crying, there's not enough repenting, there's not enough things you can do that's going to make things right. And that should be a warning to us that we need to be living our life knowing that there's some things we can do. There's some words you can say that once you say them, you can't ever bring them back. And you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. You, can't, you can say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know, it's already been said. It's already been done. And you're going to be sore displeased with yourself living a prideful life. And you're going to notice those things you do either with your mouth or with those actions you've done. When you look back in your life, those things you're displeased with yourself, you're going to look back on those things. You're going to say, I was full of pride when I said what I said, when I did what I did. And you're going to be sore displeased with yourself. And you can go, let's look at that. It set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. Look, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. 
and he's not going to be able to deliver him. I was reading a story about this old king, and this king had made a decree in his kingdom that anybody caught stealing was going to have their eyes put out. Anybody caught stealing was going to have their eyes put out. Well, his son, his only beloved son, was caught stealing, and they brought him before the king, and the king knew there was no way he's going to be able to get out of this. The law was, if you got caught stealing, and the king made the law, you're going to have both your eyes put out. And the way the king got around it was, the king put one of his eyes out, and he put one of his son's eyes out. And that fulfilled the law. That's what Jesus Christ is for us. God can't break his own law, but he can pay the price for you on the cross of Calvary through Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves you. That's how much that king loved his son. He said, you know what, I don't, can't stand for you to be blind. Put one of mine out and put one of his out. I can't stand to see them go to hell. I'll go down and I'll be the sacrifice. I'll die for them. I'll shed my blood for them. Amen. That's the Savior we serve. That's the Savior we serve. Look at verse 15. And then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Hey, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. <laughs> that king has a little bit of faith, amen. And that king says, you know what, Daniel, don't worry. I think you're God that you serve. He's going to be able to deliver you. And that's a lot of faith the king shows. But notice here, I showed you what was the result of the life they lived. Daniel lived a faithful life. The king lived a prideful life. The king was sore displeased with himself. But what happened to Daniel? Daniel's living a godly life. Daniel's doing all the right things. And Daniel gets thrown right into the lion's den. That's not good. <laughs> what you need to understand, fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ is, when you live a godly life, there's no guarantee that you're going to have a good life. Amen. It's not always going to come out roses. Sometimes it comes out the lion's den. Doing everything right. Faithful to the word of God. Faithful to your country. Doing what God would want you to do. Obeying God rather than men. What did that get Daniel thrown right into the lion's den? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to show you this out of, out of the New Testament. And this will wake you up. Some of y'all have never seen this, but some of this, maybe this will wake you up. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Hebrews chapter 11, what's it known for? It's known for being the chapter, the chapter of faith. All the great men of faith through the Bible. And it's a great chapter, chapter 11. But at the end of verse 33, Paul starts telling us about all these things that happened. Look at this, verse 33. Who through faith, look, through faith what? They subdued kingdoms. Amen. Wrought righteousness. Obtained promises. Look at this. Stopped the mouths of lions. That's what we're about to read. God, this is so wonderful. Look at this. Quench the violence of fire. Look at that. Escape the edge of the sword. These are all great miracles. Out of weakness were made strong. That's Samson. Waxed valiant in fight. That's David. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That's Gideon. All these great. Look at this. Verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Praise the Lord. There's some great miracles that happened to the great men of faith and great women of faith. But look at verse 35 after the colon and others. Nobody likes to talk about the others. And the others are these. Were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. Look at verse 37. These others, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were cut in half, tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Guys, there's a time that God's going to save you, and there's going to be a time that God's going to let you go when you serve Him. 
It's not always roses. We have Christians over, well, over in Syria, and they're taking the literally cutting their heads off on videos because they believe in Jesus Christ. It's not always roses, but I'd rather be obeying God rather than men when I go to meet my maker. We need to get a hold of that. Guys, faith. And what Paul's showing you here, faith is not believing enough to make God do something for you. And that's what some people will tell you. They'll tell you faith is like you have so much faith, you make God do some miracle for you. Real faith is having faith when God doesn't do anything for you. Amen. You get tortured, you get stoned, you get sawn asunder. There's others. There's others. We always need to remember that. But the story we're reading this morning, praise God, Daniel, he's not one of the others. So turn back to Daniel chapter 6, and you might not be either. But there's always another side of that. There's always another side of that that we forget about as Christians. And look at verse 17, Daniel 6, 17. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So Daniel's thrown in, and he's sealed in there, and nobody can get in there to it. Verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. I have a question for you. Daniel's laying in the lion's den, sleeping, and the king is in his palace. Who's getting better sleep? <laughs> I, amen. I just think I just read where it says, and his sleep went from him. Guys, you, when you're right with God, and you're doing what God wants you to do, it don't matter where you're at. You could be in prison. You could be in the lion's den. You're going to get some good sleep. And when you're wrong with God, you could be up in a palace, and you won't be getting any sleep at all, none at all. Elvis Presley is a great example of that. Had everything a man could ever dream of. Women, m fame, money, and he had to take so many pills to go to sleep. That's what literally killed him. He was taking so many pills just to go to sleep. And then he had to take a bunch of pills to wake up because he couldn't. It was his conscious. God had given him all this great ability to sing, and he was using it not for God anymore. I really believe that. You can be a king living in a palace and not get any sleep. Can you imagine what that was down there in the lion's den when Daniel got down? He looked around and there's an angel standing and there's those lions. And Daniel said, well, I need to get some sleep tonight. Bring one of them lions over here. And Daniel's got, the angel brings the lion over there and lays the lion down. And Daniel fluffed up that lion pillow, put his hands on both his head, and he just laid his head back down on that lion. And that lion was purring like a kitten, I guarantee you. And Daniel got some good, good sleep that night, laying on the lion pillar. And the king's up all night worried. Let's see what happens. Verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning, went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O oh, king, Live forever. <laughs> Say, why is that so important, Brother Keegan? Because look way back at verse 6. Remember the end of verse 6? Then these presidents and princes assembled together the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. That's exactly what Daniel's saying there in verse 21. O king, live forever. Guys, when you're in the lion's den, your words have a whole lot more power. What was more powerful? Those, king, those guys coming in there... Kissing up to the king. Oh, king, live forever. Or, da or Daniel down in the lion's den. King, live forever. My God is able to deliver me. Amen, he's able. Verse 22, my God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him 
innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Daniel, down in the lion's den, he's got powerful words about God. Christian, I don't know where God's got you and where God's going to send you, but listen to me. Now listen to me. God might have you down in the lion's den so that your words will carry a whole lot more power and weight. It's a whole lot more powerful to see somebody going through, going through cancer, going through some kind of illness, going through some kind of problem in their life, and to see a Christian with a smile on their face and saying, the Lord is still so good. Amen. The Lord loves me, and I still love the Lord no matter what's going on in my life. Don't you, don't you feel power in those words? Then to some Christian riding around in a Cadillac with everything they've ever dreamed about and say, oh, God's good. God's good. Yeah, he's good to you. Look where he has you. You got everything you've ever wanted. You've got a house. You've got a car. You've got all the money in the bank. But when you meet a Christian that's poor and destitute, a Christian that's down in the lion's den, that God's got them going through some kind of trial in their life, and you run into a Christian like that, like Ricky Dodd, and they say, you know, God is just so good. Boy, it humbles you. Because those words have power. And I'm here to tell you, if God puts you in the lion's den, he's maybe getting ready for you to speak to somebody about him. He's ready for you to glorify him. Daniel did nothing wrong, nothing, amen. You read it with me. Daniel was doing nothing wrong, and he still got thrown in the lion's den, but he still gave God the glory. Amen. Live forever. My God has sent his angel. Look at verse 23. Was a king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him. Because why? Because he believed in his God. God was personal to Daniel. And that's what I'm trying to close with to show you, that God was personal to Daniel. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't need me to be your mediator between you and God. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can't beg you enough to be praying to Jesus Christ, to be talking to Jesus Christ, to have your heart set on Jesus Christ. That's where it needs to be. You need to have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything will be all right because we can't always be there with you. When you're thrown in the lion's den. You're going to go in the lion's den by yourself. Amen. You're not going to have nobody else with you. And I'm not going to be there with you. And some other Christians. You might have a, a wife or a husband that's a great Christian that loves the Lord and prays. There might be a time y'all get separated out. And then it's just you. And you're going to need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. You need to be strong in the Lord. Uh, verse 24. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And look at what they do. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, look, he says, they cast them in the den of lies. They went in alone. They went in without God. Them, their children, look at this, their children and their wives and the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones and pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. That's a cruel king right there. He not only took those presents, threw it in, he threw in their wives and threw in their children. The world is a cruel place, isn't it? It is. The world is a cruel, cruel place. And without God, it's getting crueler. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. This is his decree. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom that, with that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions and in closing so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Here's the problem with the king in closing. The problem with this king was he had never made a personal relationship with God. He'd never come to trust God as his personal savior. You notice he says here in verse 26 that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He had never made God his God. 
Notice that every time he talked about Daniel and God, what did he say way back up there in the end of verse 20? Is thy God, is thy God able to deliver thee? Is thy God, is thy God? And then verse 16, thy God whom thou servest. King always referred to Daniel that it was him and his God. And the problem with this king, he had never made God his God. It's hard to find anybody who's never heard of Jesus Christ. The devils believe and tremble with fear, the Bible says. Now listen. Everybody's heard of Jesus, but have you made him your Jesus? Can you say, that's my Jesus? My Jesus. See, when he's your Jesus and my Jesus, it bothers you when somebody's talking about your Jesus. It, it twists you when you hear that stuff. So, so many people that hear bad-mouthing Jesus and making fun of Jesus, and I know what people's, in people's hearts, he's not their Jesus, and they're like, well, that's somebody else's problem. If the, if the preacher was here, he'd straighten them out. No, you're there. He's your Jesus. Don't you, won't you get mad about it? Hey, if I'm around and somebody's talking bad about Ronnie Hoggett's sons, I'm probably going to say something. I might not. It's not my son. But if somebody's around talking about my son, you can be guaranteed Brother King is going to say something because that's my son. And when I have a Jesus and it's my Jesus, it means something to me. He's my Jesus. He belongs to me. I belong to Him. He's my Savior. He's my King. He's my Lord. You're talking about my God now. Like Daniel said, it's my God is able to deliver me. And the king had never took that step. He knew God. He knew He was a miracle worker. He knew all these things about God. He's seen God working in men's lives, but he never took that next step and made God his God. You need to make God your God. Have you done it this morning? I pray and I hope that you have. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall at Indian Gap Baptist Church. I got a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? Do you realize the Bible says you can know that you have eternal life? And Jesus Christ encouraged us in John chapter 3, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Are you saved? Jesus says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Have you believed in the name of Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 10, verse 13 tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you think of a time you called on Jesus Christ to save you? Well, if you haven't, friend, I encourage you to get down on your knees and pray as admit you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to save you the best way you know how. And I'm here to tell you that He will save you. Now, if you prayed that prayer or if you'd like to get a hold of us, contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com, IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time, God bless.